0: Today, we are continuing on our message series without, and as Dale said earlier, we're gonna be paused for a moment to talk about living without limits. You know, all of us in some capacity have become victims of what is known as the default effect. You know, when you have a lot of options to choose from, among which there's like a predetermined one, a default choice, most of us go towards that standard option. Maybe it's when you go to a restaurant and you're just overwhelmed with all the different choices at this new restaurant. You have no idea what these different things are. And so you play it safe and you get what is known, the cheeseburger, right? Because it's scary to venture out into the land of the unknown. So let's play it safe and stick with our default mode and go with that. In other words, we have a tendency in our default mode to stick with status quo to just kind of go through and coast through life and play it safe. And when we stay within our boundaries that we create and we stay clear of stepping out of those boundaries, we're in what's known as the comfort zone. The comfort zone is safe. It's what we know, but so often we miss out on what God wants to do simply because we stay in what is known within our own comfort zone our own default mode. We all have it, but nowhere in all of the Bible did you ever read God say, I'm gonna use you. Just stay in the safe zone. Stay where it's comfortable. Just keep going with, with your default mode and I'll use you in that way in some way. No, when you read the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, from from Adam and Eve to to the men and women who God used in the book of Acts, over and over again, God said, I want to do something significant, but that requires you stepping out of your default mode. That requires you stepping out out of what is comfortable, what you know. Because what happens, there's a significant problem with this. And that is Jesus never instructed us to do that. And we, we get stuck in a rut. And so many times we're stuck with what ifs because we stayed in our comfort zone. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the, at the end of my journey, laying in my bed with a whole life full of what ifs. What if I talked to that person? What if I would have stood up and said something in that situation? What if when God put that buzz in my heart and, I, and said, go over there and, and, and feed that person or, or do that, what if I obeyed? What would have happened? I already have too many what ifs and I don't want any more. And the problem is so often we stay in our comfort zone and we just get a life full of what ifs because of our fear of stepping out of what we feel is safe. But life is so full of limit pushing moments. I mean, we've all had them. Maybe it was when we walked onto a new college campus for the very first time and we have no no idea how to get around and we have no relationships with anybody on this campus. And now we're going to spend the next four years of our life here. You've been there. Or maybe you move into the new city and you're trying to figure out, or maybe some of you moved into Pittsburgh and you're wondering how in the world do I drive through the city when all the roads go this way and that way and up and down, right? Yeah, you've been there. It's challenging. We want to stay in our default mode. Or maybe you stepped out in that limit pushing moment when you asked that certain someone out on a date. We've all been in those moments We've all been in those moments that, boy, if you want something to happen, you need to step out of what is comfortable right now or else you're going to miss it. You're going to live with the what if. And in the spiritual sense, we need to step out and we need to live without limits. Because you know what? God is bigger than anything you can imagine. He is, he's bigger than anything you could ever come across. And those fears that you face, he's bigger than them. He is, and he will lead you through it. I mean, think about it. How many times do we limit ourselves to what we see? to what we understand, to what we feel is logical and sensible? How many times do we miss God's miracles and limit his changing power in our lives because we just want to play it safe? And so we stay in our default mode. And so often we stay in this default mode simply because we have confidence here. We have confidence and what is familiar? I know this, and so I get it. I'm gonna, I, I know this city, and so I'm gonna stay here. I, I, I know this environment, and so I'm gonna stick in this environment. You know, my boys, they love to play video games. And oftentimes, they call me downstairs to play one of their video games. Mario is one of the big games in, in the Baobach household. And let, let me just be honest, when I play video games with them, I like to stay on level one. You know why? because I know how to beat level one. In fact, I can beat level one in minutes. I am very good at level one. Level two, that's a whole nother story. Level two, I look like a fool and my boys laugh at me, and I get frustrated, and I try not to throw that remote. You've been there, right? Because I know level one. And sadly, spiritually speaking, there are too many of us living out our Christian faith in level one. Too many of us have been staying spiritually speaking in level one saying, this is the safe zone. Okay, I know God, I get God, and and I'm just going to stick it here. You know, he might be calling me to something significant to, to get out here and do this. But you know what? I don't want to do that because that's dangerous. That's the unknown. That's scary over there. I want to stay here in level one because it's safe here. And let me tell you something. Level one gets boring after you play it for a while. And so often you miss many opportunities of what God wants to do in you and through you because you're too busy trying to play it safe. You're playing it safe and you have no idea what doors God wants to open up to you because we have confidence in safe rather than confidence in the God that is truly bigger than all the stuff that we have to face. We need confidence. And so my question to you, what do you have confidence in? What do you have confidence in? Living without limits means taking those big steps of faith with God. It means taking a step out of our default mode and allowing God to do something significant in you and through you, just trusting him enough. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The writer writes this most amazing statement when he says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's an amazing verse. Let me read it to you one more time. Let's, let's read it together. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In this verse we see some key components as to what living without limits and what it means to start in faith is all about and understanding faith. So let's take a journey today of what faith is. Let's define that for just a moment. First of all, jot this down in your notes. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. It's confidence in what we hope for. So the question you need to ponder for a moment in your own heart, what do you hope for? What do you hope for? The reality is this. Every one of us hopes for something, don't we? But for many of us today, hope has become a wishy-washy endeavor because there's so many people in our life that has simply let us down. And because we have been broken, because we have been let down in so many different environments and so many different ways, hope has become wishy-washy. Hope to many of us has become the equivalent of a coin flip. It's a 50-50 proposition if it will come true or not. We're not sure, but we're just kind of leaning that maybe it will. And that's how we hope in things. But in the Bible, hope was not wishy-washy. It was a certainty. When Jesus said hope in these things, it was a 100% thing that will come true. Yet still, there is a big difference between biblical hope and the hope that we tend to profess today. You see, our hope is often in things like financial freedom, good health, and so on. And don't get me wrong, those things are good. Those things we need to pray for and, and strive for. But biblical hope is about eternity. It's about the awesomeness of God's kingdom, that those who submit themselves to him will get to enjoy life forever and ever and ever in eternity. When Jesus focused on hope, when he talked about hope, it wasn't about this world, it was about the kingdom that is to come. Now, did you catch the difference? The difference between our tendency of hope and biblical hope is all found in our focus. It's all our focus. Our focus, if you're like me, always has a tendency to bend towards having a good life in this world. I hope that I get that big house. I hope I get that car. I hope that I have no health problems whatsoever. Those are good things. But if your hope is always in the things of this world and your life in this world, you're gonna be let down. But Jesus is calling our hope to transition its focus towards his kingdom because there is a certainty. No matter what happens around you, no matter how bad this world and life can be, my hope is not in this world. It's not. One day, health will go downhill. One day, I may not have the house that I have or the car that I drive. One day, financially, it may be a struggle. Whatever it may be, one day, life won't be so good anymore. But my hope is not in this world. My hope is in Jesus and his kingdom. It's where our focus is. And so rather that we should shift our focus beyond the realms of this world into eternity. And in addition to that, our hope and confidence often struggles because someone in our life let us down. And so often we have this tendency, well, this person in my life let me down. This person turned their back on me, whatever it may be. And we begin to view God based upon how this person treated me. And we struggle in our confidence with him. I mean, just look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we don't have time to go through every single story in there. I really want you and hope that you read it at some point today or later this week because this is famously known as the Faith Hall of Fame. In this one chapter, it lists all these different people and what they did and how God used them and, and some amazing stories of what God did through these different people. And the reality is this, as you read through all their stories, you'll see something that is in common. They all had difficulties. Life was not easy, and they had people who let them down. And the real question I think we need to deal with as we understand how to live without limits and how to have a strong faith and what faith is, is how can we develop confidence when other people let us down? How can we still have confidence in Christ when other people all around us let us down? I think the great lesson is found in this man that's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 named Joseph. Look at what it says in verse 22 by faith. When his end was near spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones this is just a quick snapshot of Joseph but if you really want to read his story I urge you some time to go back to Genesis 37 through 50 his story is unbelievable we don't have time to go through all the details but let me give you the really quick overview of what happened in Joseph's life you see Joseph was the youngest of, of many brothers and his father loved him. And he made this really fancy, colorful coat that Joseph wore around and was like, dude, look at my coat. And he he, he showed it off. And Joseph began to get the ability to have dreams and foretell dreams. And he started having these dreams. And he was telling his family, his brothers just began to hate him more and more and more because of how much, how better his father treated him. And because of these special dreams he was having, one day, his father sent Joseph out to check on his brothers who were in a far distant uh, region taking care of the, the flock. And when they saw Joseph coming, they, they developed a plan. It's time to take him out. And they found Joseph and they took him and they threw him in the well. And they were planning on leaving him to, for dead until one brother said, You know what? We can't do this. This is a big mistake. And they saw these slave traders kind of walking through just at that time. They sold Joseph to the slave traders and they took him to Egypt to be a slave. In this moment, Joseph was a man who was let down by his family. His dad failed him. His dad failed him because he didn't protect him. He wasn't there for him when he needed him most. And his brothers who were supposed to be his boys, they let him down too. You know, they were supposed to be there for him, to protect him, to, to be, okay, no matter what happens, how these people treat you, we're always there for you and they turn their back on him and they sold him to slavery. And many of you are struggling today because your family is broken. Maybe your family right now or maybe the family you grew up in, whatever it may be, you're struggling in your relationship with God and your ability to have confidence simply because... Your family has been broken. And you have no idea how to pick up those pieces. You have no idea how to move forward. Well, if that's your story, there is hope. There's hope. Moving on with Joseph. He was in slavery. He was bought by this uh, high-up guy in, in Egypt named Potiphar. Potiphar took him in and and Joseph was a man of integrity. He worked hard, he gave his best. It's amazing. Despite his, his circumstances, Joseph continued to be a man of integrity and always gave his best at his job, even though life was beating him down. But yet after years went by, Potiphar's wife tried to trick Joseph to sleep with him and and Joseph didn't do it because he was a man of integrity. So she tricked Joseph and she tricked her husband and her husband Potiphar got so angry, he threw him in jail and then had nothing more to do with him. And many of you today are struggling to find hope, to find confidence, because let's be honest, your employer let let you down. Even though you gave your absolute best at work, you're a person of integrity, your employer is constantly on your back, constantly uh, uh, going against you, constantly not there for you. And you feel that you deserve more. Or maybe you walked in one day and they told you you don't have your job anymore. And then so many times our employers let us down And then we struggle with trying to find hope. We struggle trying to find confidence. Moving on in Joseph's story, he was in jail for years upon years and decades. And while he was in jail, there was the cupbearer and the baker. And they were having dreams. They couldn't figure it out. And they were getting all freaked out. And Joseph said, I'll tell you what your dreams mean. One, was very happy because Joseph said, you're going to get out and life's going to go back at normal. The other one was not too happy because Joseph said, well, you're going to get out, but you're going to be killed. Sorry about that. Well, things began to happen and the people came to get the cupbearer and the baker out to to bring them back to to their life and to get them out of jail. And Joseph gave them one uh, request. Please, please don't forget me here. When you get out there, remember me. And the Bible tells us that as soon as they got out, they quickly forgot about Joseph. And there Joseph was in jail for year after year. And you can imagine the loneliness that he was beginning to feel because he was now forgotten. And many times in life, we struggle with hope simply because those people that said, I'm gonna be with you no matter what, turn their back on you when you try to follow Jesus or or whatever it might be. And we have a whole list of people that were our friends that aren't our friends anymore. And before you know it, you're struggling with hope. You're struggling trying to find confidence. That was Joseph's story. And maybe in one of those situations, you said, Bill, that's my story. That's me. I, 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 can't, I don't have hope. I struggle with confidence because maybe it was my family. Maybe it was my job. Maybe it was people that claimed to be my friends, whatever it might be. But they let me down. And now I struggle with viewing God in a way that I can have hope and confidence in how I can move forward. And it's just brokenness. How can I find that? Joseph amazes me. Because after all those decades of pain and brokenness, Joseph's brothers came back and it came up to him. They didn't know who he was. Joseph had all the opportunity to destroy them, but he didn't. And look what he says in Genesis 45, verse 5. Joseph says these words to his brothers. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Don't be angry for selling me to slavery and put me in misery for 30 years. But he says, because... It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Despite his burdens, despite being let down by all these people, Joseph had confidence that I longed for. After decades of loneliness and bitterness and strife, Joseph stood on his confidence. And in in the words in verse uh, 45, verse 5, we see the foundation of what confidence is all about. Jot this down in your notes. The first thing that we learn is confidence is realizing our hope is not in the world, but in God. Our confidence is realizing hope is not in the world, but in God. We put all of our hope in so many things in this world, our education status, our job status, our retirement funds, or even our sports teams, whatever it may be. We put all of our hope in these stocks. And don't get me wrong, these things are good but they become our gods. And before you know it, when, we, when you put all your hope into these things that then, then become our gods, your confidence struggles, your hope struggles, because the world, the world's always gonna let us down. On October 5th, 1929, the United States saw the beginning of the worst economic downturn in the history of the industrialized world, the stock market crash was sent Wall Street into a panic and wiped out millions of investors. Over the next several years, consumer spending and investment dropped, causing steep decline in industrial output and employment failing companies just laid off workers. And by 1933, when the Great Depression reached its lowest point, it was estimated that 15 million Americans were unemployed and nearly half of the country's banks were just failing. At this moment, the world was letting them down. And the world lets us down all the time, doesn't it? But God, God is bigger than this. God never fails. Joseph, he understood that. He came at over 30 years of brokenness. And loneliness and why me Joseph said it was God's plan that's confidence that's a hope that I, whatever happens in this world this is not my end game my end game is him but you know what Joseph could have easily looked at his life and maybe you've been there too when, when it's just broken all around you and say well God, God just he's letting me down He's letting me down. Well, here's the next really important foundation of confidence we need to understand. Jot this down. Confidence is knowing God's plan is not my plan, and I am okay with that. This is not an easy one. To say, God, it's your plan, not my plan, and I am okay with that. That's difficult. My favorite Dr. Seuss book of all time is Green Eggs and Ham. You know, I love it so much um, that I even do a Green Eggs and Ham rap for my kids and they they think I'm the biggest dork in all the world, but I don't care because it's amazing. And they may not ask for it, but I will provide it for them. And I am sure you know the story well Uh, about this character named Sam-I-Am that just pesters an unnamed character to try this play of green eggs and ham. The unnamed character refuses, responding, I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam-I-Am. And this continues and continues. And this unnamed character does not want this, but Sam-I-Am? He has a plan for him to eat these green eggs and ham. Oh, yes, he does. And finally, the unnamed character puts an end to Sam's pestering and tries the green eggs and ham, which to his surprise, he loves it. It's pretty good. I've tried it before. You should try it. And he loved it. And this unnamed character responds by saying, I do so like green eggs and ham. Thank you. Thank you, Sam I am. You know, how often is this like our life with God? We feel like God is just pestering us to have confidence in him to step out of our default mode to step out of our comfort zone and he just won't back off won't leave us alone he is just pestering and pestering because you know what god I, i i like it in level one i like it in this default mode don't don't take me out of this i want to stick with my desires i want to stay with my own way of life yet those moments when we trust him enough and step out We find ourselves in a similar mode of this unnamed character in Green Eggs and Ham that we're just in awe. I can't believe what I was missing. What took me so long? And you will never know that until you step out of your comfort zone. Until you step out of that default mode. The more you stay in that default mode, the more you're going to deal with the what-ifs later on in life. It's time to step out of there and see what God has planned for you. See what God wants to do within you and through you. You know, God has significant plans for you. But his plans are not going to be your plans. And it may not be the easy road. And we need to find the ability to say, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because my focus is not this world. My focus is his kingdom. Let's move on. The next thing we see from Hebrews 11 verse one about what faith is, is the assurance about what we do not see. Assurance about what we do not see. This is a tough one because I want to know the plan. I want to know how all goes down. I want to know if I step out of this default mode, if I step out of this comfort zone, I want to know, okay, it's going to go like this, step one, step two, step three, and then it's all going to play out like this. And here's the roadblocks along the way. I want to know that, but God never works that way. He says, take the step and then I will begin to reveal my plan. Jot this down in your notes. The journey is built on trust. The journey is built on trust. At some point, confidence comes into play when we have the ability, God, I trust you. Have you ever been repelling? You know, when I was growing up, I was in Boy Scouts, and and we did a lot of great things in the outdoors. And this one trip in particular, we went on this trip to go rappelling. And I was 12 years old at this time, and there was different uh, cliffs to go on. You had to work your way up. There was the 10-foot cliff, and then there was the 30-foot cliff, and then there was the monster, the 80-foot cliff. Now, the 10-foot cliff, before you did anything else, you had to do 10 foot, then 30, then 80. And so I did the 10 foot, everybody did the 10 foot. It was nice and easy and, and then, you know, we got to the 30 foot cliff and it was one of those cliffs that came down and then jetted in like this. So it was, you had to hang, glide, you know, your way down. And so we got there and I'm sitting up there, and I'm, I'm debating my mind, okay, the nerves are working up a little bit. Do I do it? Do I don't do it? Do I do it? And I remember watching one of the older boys because it was around the winter time and they started going down they, they hit a little sheet of ice and slipped, you know? But then they caught themselves, everything was fine. But that caused the nerves, the Billy Boy, to go up a little bit more, right? And I decided, you know what? I, I don't think I wanna do this. And I got too scared in that moment. And then I watched all my buddies who did the 30-foot cliff, who went to the eight-foot cliff, and I thought, oh, they're having so much fun. I want to do that. But I wasn't allowed, because I didn't do the 30-foot cliff. And I missed out. And I had the what if, because I missed the chance. I miss stepping out, but you know what repelling is? Repelling is all about trust. Because if you've ever done it, you, you, you get all the ropes tied up, and you start walking to the end of the cliff, and you start, get to the edge of the cliff, and then what you need to do is you just kind of sit on the rope, go out, and you put your feet on the edge of the, the wall, and then from there on out, you are completely trusting your buddy down there on, at the bottom of the uh, cliff with that rope. You know, you want to yell, I just want to make sure, do you really like me, right? Like, you don't have any problems with me right now, right? We're clear. Okay, we're good. That's the type of trust that we need to have in God. That at this moment, I don't have the control anymore. I don't. That guy does. And in life, To have confidence, the journey is built on trust. At some point, I don't have the control anymore. God does. And I trust him enough to take me through. Do you have that type of trust? Another person in Hebrews 11 that identified that type of trust is Abraham. In verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 11, look what it says. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham is so amazing. And again, we don't have time to go through his story. I, I encourage you to go into Genesis and read his story. But he came to this point and, and God said, okay, Abraham, I want you to sell everything. Pick up your house. Pack it up and let's move. Where are we going? I'm not telling you. What's your plan? You're not allowed to know. But I need to move. You need to move. I mean, what would happen for you if God came and said, okay, today, go pack up your house right now. Tomorrow you're moving. I got the U-Hauls waiting. God, where am I going? You're not allowed to know. not telling you. What's your plan? Can't tell you that. You just need to go. And Abraham trusted. And slowly, each step, God began to reveal a little bit more of the plan, a little bit more of the plan, a little bit more of the plan, until Abraham, ah, I get it now. And that's how God works. Do you trust Him enough to take that step, even though you don't know how it's all going to come together? Do you trust Him enough to take that step, even though you don't know what the plan is? All you know is He says, Go, and I'm going and he'll reveal his plan along the way. Do we have that type of trust? You know, Hebrews 11 is power-packed with some amazing people that simply stepped out of their default mode and allowed God to use them in significant ways. You know, have you ever thought about how God desires to use you and how he wants to use you in significant ways, but he's just waiting and waiting to step out of your default mode and trust me. Have confidence in me. Have the hope that I want to give you something amazing. And I can't show you till you take that step. To sum up all these people in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer writes these words in verses 39 to 40. Read it. See it in your notes. There were all, they were, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that together with us, would, would they be made perfect? You know, in this statement are a couple of very important faith lessons. And as we kind of wrap things up, let's jot these down really quickly. Faith lesson number one is faith was the ultimate aim, not personal gain. All these people, their goal was better and stronger faith in God. It wasn't their personal gain. And most of them, if not all of them, lost significant things. Whether, God, whether the world just took it away the life let them down, or God said, it's time for you to give it up, to follow me. Whatever it may be, they sacrificed and went through some, some very difficult days because their aim was not personal gain. It wasn't how much more can I get in this world? It was more and more faith in God. How can I know his heart more? That was what they're all about. And they were commended for their faith. And secondly, God had something better planned than what they desired. This is what so many of us miss out on because we stay in our default mode. God has something better planned than what you could ever desire, but we wanna stay in what we know. And we miss out on it. And we often miss under God. We think his goal is is to provide us this materialistic rewards. To get a better life in this world. But that's not. His goal is eternal life. His goal is his kingdom. And when we recognize that focus, then we understand it more and more. But the struggle in all of our heart is so many of us deal with this struggle. What's in it for me? You know, God, I'll go. But what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? I mean, I'll do this for the church, but, but what's in it for me? What's my reward? A great movie that was back in the late 80s was a movie called The Field of Dreams. You know, wonderful movie. And you, you, I'm sure you know this movie. Maybe you'll go back home and watch it tonight um, or later this week because it's just so amazing. And this movie was about this man by the name of Ray Kinsella. Ray Kinsella had a farm, and this voice came to him. Yeah, he heard voices, and told him to build the baseball field on his farm. He wiped out all his crops. He had no idea what he was doing. Everybody thought he was a fool, but he did it just because he heard these voices. And he went out and did that, and, and he kept doing it. He followed all the voices and all these Request, trying to figure out what it meant. And this man, Terrence Mann, came into his life. And then he began to go on the journey with him. And, and they were just trying to figure out how this all kind of goes together. And they met the old baseball player. They then came out of the cornfield to play on this field called Shoeless Joe Jackson. And just amazing things started to fall in place. And it was towards the end of the movie and Ray Kinsella still had no idea, no idea why he did all this. I mean, did I do this just so these guys who have been dead for so many years can come out of my cornfield and play baseball? And in that moment, Shoeless Joe Jackson turned to where Ray and Terrence Mann were standing and said, you wanna go with us? And Ray jumped out all excited. Me? Yeah, what's out there? I wanna go. And Ray says, no, 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 not you, him. And in that moment, Ray revealed a struggle in all of our hearts, because he said, whoa, 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 him? Why does he deserve it? What's in it for me? What do I get? It was my field, my farm, my property. I'm the one who drove thousands of miles. I did all the work. What's in it for me? And Shoeless Joe Jackson just says to Ray, I think you should stay here, Ray. Why, Ray? I think you should stay here. And in that moment, Ray turns and there's his dad. The brokenness in his heart was seen in the flesh of his father right in front of him. And in that moment, he realized what this was all about. You know, so often we miss out on what God wants to do in us and through us because we're so focused on what we want, what's in it for me. And God says, I have something so much better than you. You really just want that? You really just want to come into the cornfield and see where we hang out? Is that really all you want? I got something more significant for you. You have no idea, no idea what God wants to do within your own heart and through your life until you begin to take those steps, until you get out of your default mode and trust him enough. Then you understand confidence. Then you will understand faith. Then you will see hope at a whole new level.